there's little that's tastier than eating a bag of dicks. I'll tell you that much. Welcome to episode number 40. That's four zero of Grumpy Old Ben's. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where it's a dog eat dog world. But Sir Bemrose only has cats. And from America's left coast, where stealing is no longer illegal, but apparently defending in your home and family soon will be. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Well, that makes perfect sense. And I know you wanted people to push you up to, we were just talking before the show about pushing you up to earldom and Darth Radar in the troll room. And if you're not in the troll room, we do these shows live. You need to be there. Noagendastream.com. He said he would be happy to push you over into earldom, but he gets to name you then. So that might be. I identify as Sir Bemrose. (laughs) With naming rights. Well, yeah, but then Earl. Sir Bemrose would be what? Sir Bemrose, Earl of something. Isn't that how the earldom works? Your Earl of something. I think. I'm, I'm perfectly happy to be the Earl of Sir Bemrose. <laughs> so you're going to be the Earl of yourself. That's either narcissistic <laughs> or very uh, incestuous in some sort of way, it seems. No? Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> we'll go with that. On today's show, we're going to be talking about Brexit, of course, because that is the big news. And, uh, and uh, it actually... It is? Right, well, yeah, I guess. I mean, they voted again. And really, I'm just going to talk about Brexit in the sense of uh, how it affects what we really okay. wanted to talk about today, which was, and this is, this came uh, to me. Gun it, rights. Right. As, in a, as if in a, as if in a vision, as if being uh, spoken to by a, how, 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 a higher power when we, we talked about, okay, what do you want to talk about in the show? And I suggested we talk about the different ecosystems that are out there between the computer world so we're talking you know linux windows and mac os whatever they're calling that today and even kind of maybe getting a little into the cell phones between android and ios and it occurred to Uh, me have they renamed mac to be uh ios desktop edition yet they're doing something weird like that because they're they're trying to get away they're still named they've still got the crazy names you know mojave and all this other stuff but there's no doubt that they're pushing in that direction to kind of disintegrate the difference between a desktop version and a mobile version. And I just don't think yeah. that My, works. Microsoft tried to do that with windows eight. You saw how well that worked out. Yeah. I don't think it works out that well. And it, it's really more confusing. And basically what it does is just dumbs down the desktop versions. And I don't think that's a good thing, but when, I was kind of thinking about yeah, this. The also Windows 8. <laughs> right. You know, thinking about this Brexit vote, and it occurred to me that this was very in the same vein of what Windows used uh, to be. Uh, dumbing all down people? Yeah. Well, it's it, why do people choose the Apple ecosystem, the Mac OS, the, uh, even with the different, the cell phones, again, the same thing between iOS and Android, the Apple version is locked down. The Apple version the, yeah. is it's, it's a theme that we've had on grumpy old Ben's a lot, which is what the, the only explanation I can come up with. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing in terms of operating system choice, although it is, and I will judge you for it, but, but don't take that as anything more than I judge everybody is 
people who choose something like Mac want convenience over control. They want somebody else to make all the hard decisions for them so that they don't have to think about what what to do or how they need to do it, or they don't want to think about the operation of the computer. And, uh, you know, for better or worse, Apple puts out things where they say, you don't have to think about it. You just have to use it. And as long as the way you use it is exactly the way that we tell you, you should use it. Everything will be fine. And you can live in this happy utopia where you do only the productivity that we want. And a lot of people are very happy there. And that to me, of, you know, and that to me are the people that just uh, voted not to leave the EU. Those are the people that are voting socialist here in the United States. Those are the people that you know in the computer world. They want Apple. They want somebody else to have complete control. Before I was really wondering how you were going to tie those together. Really, it seems obvious to me once it kind of came to me because the Apple ecosystem being very hard to add programs to add functionality to add anything to your device without it being blessed by the mothership where windows machines you're still able to go out and download software from any indiv- uh, individual developer without going through a play store without having it to be all you know blessed by the microsoft pope if you will yeah, we're, oh, I think now. microsoft is working to close that loophole yes oh i i know but that's still where the choice is but it, it occurred to me that that is a very good analog for what's going on in politics which is think about it do you want freedom or do you want to be locked in and be told exactly what you can do which is where linux is the alternate of all this stuff and linux is the you know, the, the redheaded stepchild that's going, hey, just do what you want. You know, we're, we're wide open. Well, the, 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 you see, the Linux has a good, good, it's good sides and it's bad sides. The good side is that on Linux, you can do whatever it is you want to do with the software. The downside is that on Linux, you have to do everything that it is you want to with the software. They don't do anything for you. That's getting a little you know. easier. I mean, as far as like with packages uh, yeah. and I mean, getting software yeah, things and are getting, yeah, and things are getting better and the software installation and upgrade experience on Linux is still about a hundred times better than it ever has been on windows because windows for some reason still seems to think Microsoft still th- seems to think that the pinnacle, the ultimate in software installation and management is running a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I don't get it. Okay, you know what? Uh, in order to bring something onto your computer, you have to give it full admin access to your computer, let it run some arbitrary shit, and install uh you know spyware and install things that will run and take up CPU forever. Uh, in fact, they have to because that is the only way that these things can even update themselves is by a- each and every one of them puts on. A little daemon that runs in the background and just periodically phones home, sends all of your hardware config home. And I might be a little bit cynical here. Well, because you know how it works. And we always recommend in these shows, we end up talking about this stuff that everybody, if you're on a Windows machine, control alt delete is good for more than just, you know, rebooting a computer that is dying on you. It's a good way to look at every process that is running. Are, are you talking about the task manager? Yes. 
which a lot okay. of people just don't I, control alt delete and then you go yes, there and, but I'm, I'm you're you're already showing off you're a casual if you think control alt delete is how you get the task manager uh the the real power users use control shift escape that is a pro tip from sir bemrose takes you right there no not no extra clicking going on Most- or or win or win r and then task mcgur I hate that, man. Try, I mean, there's, there's so many things that you have to remember <laughs> these bad misspellings. You're like, okay, I know I have to type something in and it's stupid, but yeah. it's the only way it works. And thank you programmers for shortening it into a way that makes no sense to any rational human being. Damn. Oh, come on. How can, how can task McGur be hard? <laughs> why is it? Why not just T S K M G R? Why are you spelling out task? If you're going to shorten manager, why not shorten task too? Oh, because the answer is because Microsoft. Oh, okay, that makes absolute perfect sense. I, the 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 slightly less flippant answer, which is is equally ridiculous, is that uh, Microsoft has a long history of uh, Microsoft for the most part does has never had designers for Windows. What they have is is feature areas for Windows, different programs different product groups different areas uh every, every feature in windows is controlled programmed written run designed by a different product team and basically they let programmers design their individual part which has two things one it means that in aggregate the whole operating system tends to be written by programmers and not by anybody who understands even a lick of design um I mean, there are some people who understand a lick of design, but then they don't always apply it. Uh, But the other is that each and every feature in Windows, and I know you've noticed this, each and every feature in Windows is designed with a slightly different design philosophy. Well, yeah, there is no, there's nothing that is consistent in Windows. And that's a feature. And it's, it's exactly because uh, every feature is designed by the product team who is responsible for writing, implementing, and testing that feature. And there, there's no overarching design whatsoever. You see, and I'm still old school because I want to use a computer for very basic stuff, or I'm using it for as a tool to. Oh. Yeah, I ran basic back on my, my <laughs> DOS 3. Hey, I did on my oh. TRS-80 color computer, baby. Coco with the big slot on the side for the cartridges. And then you could plug an old-fashioned cassette deck in because that was the best way to store your yeah. data. Yeah, DOS, there was the operating system. But the, all I as want is As long as you never function. wanted to do more than one thing at a time, DOS was your, that was your OS yeah. for sure. But all I want is function. When it comes to all this stuff with making it pretty and making things semi-transparent and rounded corners and all of that crap, I don't care. I just wanted to do the audio editing, the video editing, whatever I'm doing. I don't really care about how pretty the interface looks. And I understand you don't want to make it look bad, but there was a lot that was put into this where the CPU was being taxed on older machines when a lot of these new versions of windows came out and it just, it didn't make sense to me. It's like functionality. Let's make it quick and let's make it easy to use. And it's amazing that some of these new machines even are fairly slow. I know JC jr. in the troll room the other day was complaining about doing an update for a customer of his on a MacBook pro, a brand new one. And he hates Apple. And maybe that's why, but I'd love to see, he's like, it took like an hour to do an incremental upgrade from like version 0.2 to version 0.3, whatever they're on 10.2, whatever 
I don't even know what number they are. They always name something pretty. 10.14. 10. You know, and that's, he was doing the update. I only know that because I, I did research. I looked up operating system stats. And there you go. To see how, what's being uh, used right now. I mean, do we know what? Yeah. The, what uh, about half of all the Macs out there are running 10.14. So I'm guessing that's the current. Well, that would make sense. Except for the fact that Apple has cut off all those old machines. Just like Windows is doing, because they're they're cutting off seven, yeah. which is you're still using seven, right? I guess we should let people know what our daily drivers mm-hmm. are. I, I have to. I, oh, first of all, I have to admit, I'm I'm honestly a little bit surprised when you brought up. Um, I'm a little bit surprised that it's possible to upgrade a Mac because I always, you know, since Apple doesn't make money on their software, they make money on the hardware. I kind of always assumed that the upgrade path for a Mac was throw your shit away and go buy a new one for five thousand dollars. I mean, they would like you to do that, and that's not exactly the way it is. I mean, they're very similar to Windows in the fact of once the operating system gets past a certain point, they've locked it down. But with that said, they did lock it down a little bit early because there are hackers out there, as we know, and they have formatted ways to update these old machines with, with the newer iOS releases. Or not iOS. I'm gonna going right back into the to the Mac OS releases. Yeah, and they still work. So I mean, I know maybe it doesn't work on some machines, or they think it's going to slow it down to ruin your experience. But what I would wonder is, even Microsoft has been releasing updates. I mean, they not too long ago released one, even going back to XP because they knew how many people were on it, and it was such a large security hole. I don't need new features. On my 2009 MacBook Pro that I've got, it still runs absolutely fine, which is, I mean, you can say what you want about Apple and they are overpriced, but I have a 10 year old laptop. I I usually do say what I want about Apple, but go on. (laughs) But it just runs still, it runs just fine. Never had a problem with it. So, yeah, did I pay more 10 years ago for the thing than I could have with the Windows laptop? Sure. But most Windows laptops I've had felt completely obsolete after about four or five years where this thing, if you can boot it up into windows, it still runs really, really, really well. I mean, I wouldn't do high def video editing on it, but otherwise it's a, a very serviceable machine, which is why you could still sell this 10 year old laptop on eBay for three or 400 bucks where you could go buy a brand new cheap windows laptop for three or 400 bucks. One, one of my daily drivers is a, a Dell laptop that I bought with windows seven, nine years ago um it was a it was a gaming laptop at the time which means that it basically comes with a an nvidia uh graphics card that guarantees i will have no battery life beyond about 10 minutes but that's fine probably I have to also run it guarantees with it that you'll never have children because it's probably heating up your ball sack if you have that laptop on your lap and it gets hot well if i didn't have the laptop i have a cat for that so <laughs> you put the laptop on top of the cat is the cat like a buffer <laughs> That that has happened before, and the cats the cats love the extra heat from the laptop, but they're not really big on getting squished. I could see that. I could definitely. Um, see but uh, yeah, this this laptop it came with Windows Seven. Then I upgraded it to Windows Eight, and uh, you know, both in both cases, I was like, yeah, there's not much in the way of battery life, but if, as long as I run it plugged in, it's fine. And right now, um, it is still very happy as as one of the places I do most of my writing. Um, running ubuntu because fuck windows 10 (laughs) i like windows 10 i know i'm probably in the minority but overall no well 
Uh, I'm going to pull out some some OS stats because I looked them up and God damn it, I got to get them into this show somewhere. Uh, Windows 10 has almost half of uh, all computers out there now. Um, it was, according to the one stat site that I found, which I, I guarantee you, if you look at three stat sites, they're going to be wildly different and not agree. So I'm just going with this one. According to this one, uh, the Windows 10 passed up Windows 7 only in February of this year. Interesting. Obviously, because people are scared now because they're like, Windows 7 is going to so, die. Yeah. So Windows 7 has 33% ding ding of all computers out there still. Windows 10 now has 47%. Um, but what I want to know is uh, what is Microsoft going to do with those 33 people? Because they are planning on shutting off all security updates, including the Microsoft supplied antivirus. Uh, in January, like two months, next month, next month. Yeah. Like less than a month away, Microsoft is planning on shutting off all uh, updates to their antivirus. Despite the fact that they're, they're still going to be providing antivirus signatures for windows 10 for the same pro software. Right. It's basically out of spite. They're going to say, I'm sorry, you're running windows seven. No, fuck you. You don't get antivirus. Now, are they what are they going to do? Yeah, are they, I'm just curious. Are they offering a free upgrade path again to Windows 10? I mean, they did that for a long, long no. time. Okay. No, the the free upgrade lasted for a year, and now the, it costs money. I don't remember how much. I think there it's are significantly still hacks. less than a new computer. Well, but. yeah, I think there are still hacks to get it, which maybe people want to look into that, and maybe we can do a little research for you. But I would say do bing it, you know, duck duck go that no. Um, look at sites like uh, no, we we, we yeah. can't research that because grumpy old Ben's does not condone piracy unless we're doing an episode on piracy, in which case, but, Darren it, might. but it wasn't even piracy. It was the, some of these systems still worked where if you downloaded windows 10 and used like a windows seven key, it was still validating. So, I mean, that's really not piracy. That would just be Microsoft stupidity if they were trying to block that. But it's interesting. The life cycles that they enforce on these devices with the security thing being the main thing i do like i said i get when they stop doing feature updates i think we all get that yeah. but the security well, that, that update, was when windows 7 finally became stable was when they stopped doing feature updates <laughs> right they stopped but screwing things up we already we already had the show on software updates but let me go ahead and, and reiterate one of my main points i want security updates because i want my operating system to be secure but i want for the vendor to stop mixing in their latest whiz bang bullshit features that I'm never going to use with the security updates, telling me that they're all important, rebooting me in order to put like a new fucking font on my system to, to remove a swastika or whatever it was that they did. I just give me security updates. And, and when, when windows seven got halfway through its life cycle and Microsoft pledged, we will never give you a feature update again. I'm like, yes, finally, the operating system will become stable. But did it? <laughs> eh, I mean, it didn't become more unstable over time. That's true. That's true. But, so, but my daily driver would be Windows 10 on a Dell desktop running three monitors, which besides some latency issues, which Dell seems to have across the board, which I don't get and. I guess if I really looked into it, I might be able to to solve some of those. Um, that's my main machine. I do run multiple Raspberry Pis. I will play around on the command line in Linux. 
play very little with the graphical shell in any of the Linux. And I do have that old 2009 MacBook Pro, which I had pretty much split for years running both Windows on it and running Mac OS. And I mean, honestly, there are advantages to the way Macintosh does stuff. I will say that, but I still prefer the Windows ecosystem overall. I don't even know. Well, they do audio better than anybody else. That is the one thing. And as you know, I have you played around a lot with that multi-tracking word. That multi You know what audio. I worked on at Microsoft? Yeah, audio. But they still have audio <laughs> problems on that's the Dell XPS 15 that I bought a year ago is crap because of latency problems and being able to do real time audio and not get clicks and bips and all the other digital artifacting. And but that two thousand that two thousand and nine MacBook, the that music you hear all the time at the beginning of random thoughts, randomthoughts.com. That's R A N D U M B. And the other songs I played from my buddy Tom that he recorded here was all recorded on a MacBook that, again, this thing's 10 years old now. So it was, you know, about six years old at the time we were recording. And it was yes, yes. rock solid. Everybody who's a pretentious artist always does it on, on a Mac. I understand this. Well, it was because the software was also fairly cheap, which is surprising, I know, with Apple that buying that's actually a pretty good reason yeah buying the pro version of uh logic uh, yeah logic pro x or logic x pro whatever they call it i think it was like a hundred bucks maybe a hundred or a hundred and twenty dollars and it was a great full-featured multi-track recording solution and again it just worked and that is why i dig it but beyond the audio stuff i have never really done a whole lot on the mac os besides you know going in and just surfing the web and stuff like that so you know, I was pretty much for me, it was an audio workstation. Windows has been the thing for recording the videos, recording podcasts and all of that. And overall, besides a few different glitches that have come around, I don't have a lot of complaints about Windows 10, but I've at least played around with everything enough to know. If you don't have a lot of complaints about Windows 10, you're not really using it. That's all I have (laughs) to say. Should be trying more? I don't know. (laughs) Yes, it it does. What what should I be mad about? be more like Bemrose. <laughs> okay. What should I, what's the list? What are the top three things well, okay. or whatever that I should hate you, about windows 10? You, you, you covered your, your daily driver. Um, and, uh, I wanted to, because, because we always need the, the category, the segment on the show of, uh, listen to what Bemrose does and then do anything else. Um, what I am running as my main daily driver is, uh, it is a Franken machine beige box that I have originally assembled about eight years ago and have sort of updated some parts here and there. Um, it has a, a Ryzen 5 um, that's only like the processor is probably the best. It's only a year or two old. Um, it has a, a video card that's like seven years old now, which makes gaming a little complicated anymore. But it, that's it's it's a pretty good director to make me maybe not be as uh, as much of a video game nerd um but uh i'm running windows 8.1 and uh oh i was just um so 46 percent according to the the stats i looked up are running windows 10 uh 33 this is of all pcs on the desktop all desktops uh 46 windows 10 33 windows 7 what, what would you guess the percentage are that are on Windows 8 or 
probably like three to five percent. Uh, the number that they had was four. I guess that would be between three and it, five. Yay, it, I win. It comes it comes in behind OS X 10.14, but right ahead of Linux. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So what is what is the over? I mean, then Linux shares like so many. It seems like a billion distributions. But how many? What's the share of a window or Linux on a desktop? According to this, it was three and a half percent. Now, I have I have seen as high as five on one of the other sites, but this one had the most complete stats. So it's what I'm going with. I'm also not going to name it because, frankly, you know, none of them have any idea and they don't need me to to promote them. but yeah, if if I going down the list, uh, Windows ten forty six, Windows seven thirty three, uh, OS X five percent, ten point fourteen, uh, Windows eight four percent, uh, all flavors of Linux combined because they didn't break any of it out. That that actually made me laugh. Was three percent, three and a half. Uh, Windows XP two percent, uh, wow. OS X ten dot thirteen two percent. Well, which shows that the, uh, the the Apple people do upgrade, um, but it also shows that Ubuntu, which is you know the big Linux that it probably still has the biggest footprint out there, is probably less than one percent of the total market, and that's what's always uh, pushed as like, hey, people can maybe, use yeah. this. Well, I I mean, people can, but inertia is a hell of a drug, and there's. I honestly think Linux is good enough to be the daily driver for most people who just use Windows or Mac out of inertia. But what Linux doesn't have is people pushing it. They don't, you know, no, Linux itself, because it's it's no more a concept than a company. Uh, it it doesn't have a marketing department. It, it doesn't have a group of people buying television commercials that are aspirational and have people throwing hammers through TV screens and stuff. Um, but the other thing Linux doesn't have is uh, everybody's nephew saying you should probably go install this because it's cheaper and it's easy enough. And uh, you don't have to worry about being rebooted every five minutes. I guess that's not a, as big a requirement for somebody's grandma as it is for me, but whatever. Well, and it is. And my, it's not, I'm not to the point of being a daily driver, but my wife has a windows machine. Again, a box that we had built that is starting to have issues. I think it's a, uh, you know, video card or something to it. Um, as far as the drivers and I've updated those and it would work fine for a while. So it's, it's getting a little finicky. So I bought a new raspberry Pi four, which you can get them on Amazon now with the case and with the, you know, the SD card and with the power thing, you know, the power cord to plug it in and all that for, I think it was like 120 bucks and I hooked that in because it has an HDMI mini out. So I hooked this right into the monitor she had been using, plugged the keyboard that she'd been using into it because 99% of the time, all she's doing is surfing the web or doing simple uh, word processing stuff. And, you know, LibreOffice works and she likes it. I mean, it's like, it was no, there was no learning curve whatsoever. It's just turn it on and it works. So for, I, I agree with you. Linux, I think is at the point where people that want a machine for basic stuff, again, word processing, surfing the web. If you're somebody that is doing any kind of media creation, you could probably use Linux, but it's going to take a bigger learning curve. If you're doing audio, video, photo editing, I think it gets a little bit trickier. I know it can be done, but I also think at those points, you're making some 
concessions to ease of use just to not use windows or mac and that's that's fine for some people but for your average person who wants to do the regular like you said grandma the simple things they want to email they want to surf the web they want to do some very basic stuff i think it's ready if you have somebody to hook it up for them and set it up because most people are never going to know how to do an install on linux if you can set it up for somebody i do believe the average person could use it on a daily basis without any complaints you know the the setup thing i the the very first time i was ever really introduced to linux was at a uh um there was a a red hat install fest of the local linux user group in i want to say 1996 95 um where they booked out the entire afternoon and people could log in their desktops because laptops weren't really a thing back then. Not, not where I was. So people could log in their desktop, hook it up in here and they would bring around some discs and then they would help walk you through the install that would literally take all afternoon. And I think they, that it's gotten a lot better since then because yes. uh, frankly i went and downloaded you know i, I and again i i was kind of old school because i actually downloaded the iso and burned it to an optical disc right i've got because, a bunch of those and, old ones and and who that like seriously what new modern computers even have an optical disc drive anymore but i did that but it really was boot to the disc uh, and then it asks you about four questions, turns for 15 or 20 minutes and bam, you're at the desktop and everything's working. So uh, this shit is ready to go. W- would you agree with me Rarely. if I were to assert that 2020 is the year of Linux on the desktop? <laughs> well, it depends because we're, we were just told that it has between three and five percent uh, of the market share right now. Do I think in 2020 they can push that up and maybe get to 10%? Possibly on the high end. I, no. will, it, will it increase a little bit? Sure. But uh, I don't think that I, it's, it's going to continue increasing. And I think that the, you know, the right now people are finally, you know, thank, thank you to Facebook and Google. People are starting to realize that these giant Silicon Valley companies that are controlling everything we do and everything we look at, even normal people are starting to think, you know, this, this is actually kind of creepy. And the more people start to realize that, that these Uber corporations are to be distrusted, the more people are going to really start looking into you know, maybe I don't want them to control everything on my machine. Uh, you were asking me why I don't run Windows 10. And and in particular, you you said, you know, well, name three things that are wrong with it. Um, I, I'll give you the one reason why I don't run Windows 10, and that is paternalism. And it's the same reason why I'll never touch a Mac. It is because the company has decided that, and and, and it's for purely selfish reasons, they have decided that the way that they want your system to exist is the way it's going to happen. And there's no room for configuration or customization anymore. Yeah, sure. They'll let you change your desktop image or, or maybe your, your system login sound or something like that. But in all the ways that are important and valuable, the, the companies don't let you modify it anymore. You know, I, I think we, we had an episode a while ago where I talked about, um, windows seven dropping support, official support for keeping your 
taskbar on the left or right side of the screen because they had data that said only 3% of users ever used it. And then in the next version, after they shipped it and it was fucking broken, they had data that said only 1% of users ever used it. Why? Because it's broken. But you know what? That's a trend. And they're like, yeah, nobody uses this, so we don't want to. And so they, they use that to justify dumping features and saying, we don't need that you know people don't need to do this people don't need to do what they want people just need to do what we tell them to and that has always been the apple way and it's been increasingly the microsoft way and so why don't i run windows 10 well the answer is kind of simple it's because if i'm using my computer i want to decide when you reboot not them i want to decide whether or not i can run something i want to decide whether or not uh, a particular website is blocked. Who is Microsoft to say that uh, Dvorak.org is uh, a sketchy site not to be trusted and yet Google.com is perfectly legit and can run full Java applications on my system? Which is the interesting point when you start looking at that kind of stuff because Linux differs in a major way to Windows and Apple. Windows and Apple, we know, are put out by the mass conglomerate the big company you know big brother where linux is a little bit more sketchy in a way because you don't necessarily know who's behind the release i mean they try to put the information out there but you really it comes down to who are you going to trust and i mean the nice thing about linux you're going to try okay where is the sir bemrose linux distribution i'm going to download that and start using it today uh, yeah, you'll need to come to the troll room to get recommendations. <laughs> uh, Progress says this is probably how we lost four by three LCD panels. Well, no, I'm looking at a four by three LCD panel reading this right now. So I don't know. how. See, it's lost. It's somewhere in Chicago. <laughs> now. I've got I've got two of them on my desktop. They work great. That's what I keep the troll room open. And you need a minimum of three monitors. I mean, I swear I, I've been tempted before to buy the uh, I swear to the big stands. So I could have like six monitors, you know, maybe look up a few different ways. Uh, I wanted to kind of look like air traffic control because that just seems cool. And I need a lot of windows open at the same time. But the Linux thing is interesting. And the amount of choice I do believe is a major hindrance to a lot of people who, if you're not a dude named Ben, and there's a lot of people out there I know that have. Well, I have way less tech experience than you do as the Mr. Coder dude. And I know a lot of our listeners are you know, way, way, way above my head when you get down into how all of this stuff, uh, you know, the coding and how all of this stuff works. And I just think for a regular guy, a regular dame, a regular chick, that if you're like, hey, I want to get into Linux, it's not like, oh, if, I'm, if you're going to switch between, say, Windows and Mac. There's one choice. You're like, okay, am I going to take Windows? Am I going to take Mac? I know they have different versions of their software, but basically, (laughs) you know, it's your choosing. That's another problem. That's another problem with Windows is is even if you've made the decision that you want Windows, okay, do I want Ultimate or do I want Home or do I want Pro or do I want Work or Enterprise? Yeah. You know, and that's... That is confusing in itself, but overall, two main choices. If somebody's like, okay, well, okay, I'm going to choose Linux, and they just go, okay, where do I download Linux? And they do a search. I'm assuming they get a list of like, here's 14,000 distributions you can choose from. Here are the differences. And they're like, uh-huh, eyes glaze over. 
And Ubuntu, I think, made strides back in the day because they were the first one that kind of understood marketing, I think, better than anybody else. And they were really pushed as a user-friendly thing, and they got their name out there so people would just go to them by default. And that's a good thing for them, but the whole Linux concept, there's so many. I love it on the concept that people can do exactly what they want. I know there are Linux distributions out there like Kali Linux specifically for penetration testers. I believe there's Linux out there only for people <laughs> doing audio. Penetration. Yeah, penetration. If you got to test your penetration, if you don't test penetration, how will you know if you can penetrate? It's a simple rule for hacking and life in general. Yes. I mean, if you're not penetrating, you can go listen to that Larry show. It, it works, think, works for hacking. It works for the bedroom. Right. Larry show. Just if you need a girlfriend, that Larry show just did an episode on that. So you can start your penetration testing as soon as possible. But I digress. The amount of Linux distributions out there. It's great if there is a, a distribution that's specifically for what you want to do. And I'm not sure if there's ever been one that's kind of like, well, if you're a you know, video editor, if you're a podcaster, that would be a great idea for a Linux distribution would be the podcasting, you, the podcasters distribution, which is we have stuff built in to do streaming to things like the IceCast server that we use here on noagendastream.com that would have multi-track audio that would have all the stuff set up. So it's basically go buy one of these little Mackie USB devices or whatever brand you want, plug it in and start podcasting and that's where linux shines because they can do the ultimate in customization but that's also i think where they lose because the average user goes i'm just too confused i'll stay on windows or unfortunately yeah, well it, it's back, software back choice. when i was back when i was paid to uh promote microsoft products if somebody asked for you know what version of linux i would always of course recommend that you run entirely exclusively off of a gen 2 live cd and then you know within two weeks they'd be begging to come back to my windows <laughs> that was a different type of market yeah because it's well software choice is another big part of that for people i mean we've heard this a lot from the podfather adam curry when you're in an ecosystem where you're already using certain software, and I've talked about how I do the Adobe software, they don't have, which is still, I mean, I would say it's amazing to me, but hearing the stats that you just put out there, which is Linux is maybe a three to 5% market share. I understand yeah. why companies aren't running to port their software because there's no money there. Yeah, I then the people who are pushing for Linux are certainly noisy and I and I appreciate that because I like competition, but if if you have these stats and you are trying to decide how much of your development time you put into each platform, it's a pretty rational decision to say, well, um if if Linux is going to take 20% of our development time to port and it's only 3% of our customers, then maybe, you know, that time is better spent creating new features that we can force on people through their their fucking auto update I, i'm sorry i slipped back into a wrong rant again you're always slipping into another show it's like you're from a different time and different dimension you're doing like you're doing all 40 grumpy old bends at the same time and this is episode 40 woo and it's okay the same rant works on a lot of these episodes but that's not surprising is it 
I, uh, I'm to be honest, I'm, I'm constantly surprised about a lot of things about this show. I mean, first of all, that we even have an audience and people recognize uh, as an you. aside, as an aside, um, the, uh, I wanted to point out the uh, first time that I ever heard the phrase year of Linux on the desktop was uh, 1997 was going to be the year of Linux on the desktop and then 98 and then 99. And then I'm pretty sure 2000 was definitely going to be the year of Linux on the desktop. So when, when I brought that up, do you think 2020 will finally be? (laughs) I'm sure it is. But as Darth radar in the troll room points out, spyware is the reason not to choose Ubuntu. Now that's always the thing when you come up with these alternate operating systems for years, I heard nothing, but Hey, go to Mac OS. The there's the, the pyre. There's no, no problem at all with hacking. There's none of these problems with malware. Well, because they were at the point Linux yeah. is now, which is such a, a, a small user base that it wasn't used. It wasn't really worth the hackers time to, to mess around with yeah, those people. And- I, I recognize that early on when people say, well, Max can't get viruses. And I looked and I'm like, no, I've read their APIs. They absolutely, it is absolutely possible to write viruses for it. And, and there's a couple of places, you know, I just having read over the documents, there's a couple of places that it looks pretty easy to, to get some kind of malware injected in and you wouldn't even be able to know like, yeah, I could probably write one. It wouldn't be that hard. It'd take half a day. Um, but there were no viruses, you know, this, this was back when uh, Microsoft was developing their own antivirus software because antivirus was a big thing on windows. People are like, go to a Mac. You don't need an antivirus at all. Well, yeah. Cause nobody had ever written a virus for it. Nobody cared. And then and that did. changed about the time they hit 10%. Yes. Then, then that actually started being a huge problem for years. People didn't even have an antivirus piece of software running on a Mac. Now, like your windows machines, it's a really good idea to run a good av but i guess this brings us into the question of the app store concept as opposed to free installs and when i first got that macbook back in 09 it was very similar to windows meaning you could pick up a program that was written for the mac by going to the developer's website downloading it or paying for it if it was something that we had to pay for and then installing it you know, they gave you the package, you install the package much like you would on Windows. And that has moved now fully, I believe. I'm, I'm sure you could probably turn it off, but I know at some point Apple flipped the switch, which was you can't install anything that's not from the App Store. And I know there was a switch you could turn off and go back for a brief time. Maybe that still exists, that I don't know. But that concept is an interesting one to me, which goes from wide. Wild Wild West, free open. If you write a piece of software for that platform, you can sell it on your own. You don't need to go to Apple to get their blessing. Moving to something like the App Store, which we know Windows is pushing for that, but they're not quite at that point yet where they're trying to keep third party things from being installed, although they'll probably get there. It's an interesting concept because I can see where it should make for a safer marketplace if. You know, Apple or Microsoft, their people look it over and they do virus searches and make sure it's all safe. But on the other side, that really screws with the developers. So what's the best way to go there? Well, would it surprise you to learn that I actually recommend 
that people use app stores exclusively because that software has been uh, vetted by the large company who has nothing but your interests in mind. Yes. That and, would surprise uh, me. Yeah. Because it's not fucking true. <laughs> no, you don't like big brother. I, you have a little um, brother, I, but he's no, not your not, big brother. I, 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 don't, I don't like, no, I, I don't like, I don't like self-appointed big brothers who come out of Silicon Valley and try to decide that they know what's best for you. Yeah. I, I like the fact that an app store exists and I, there are a lot of situations where it's really handy to have, it's handy to have an index of software. Um, it's handy to have the easy installation method. Uh, you know, having having installed shit on Windows for a long time and every single software, you know, you want a little command line utility. And can you download an XE? No, you have to go and download a fucking installer and run the installer, which installs itself to your. Why? Why am I? Why are we still in, you know, after 40 years of windows still having these things where we just basically give everything, every little dancing monkey, the ability to run admin level code on our machine, because that's the only way to get software in. So the, the ability to get software on a machine easily and without compromising everything else is quite desirable. And uh, I know windows eight tried to do it and windows 10 is sort of tried, but they're not doing a very good job. And uh, all I can say is that when I went over and discovered apt get, then I was in love. I'm like, this is all I ever wanted. Uh, <laughs> well, it makes but, it easy. Um, at, at the same time, uh, all you have to do is look at the iOS store or the play store and realize that there's, you know, 75 fart apps and every single one of them is going to install malware on your thing. Because for one thing, these companies can't fully vet and make them not be malware. Uh, and then the, the, the potential for abuse from a company who wants to abuse a developer, you know, developer says something on Twitter. They don't like is like, Oh, sorry, your apps are all demonetized. You can no longer, you know, get any money from the store. Um, th that's some bullshit right there. Well, it's also uh, that false sense of security. Isn't it that? Oh, well, I bought this at the official XYZ store. You know, I bought this at the Chrome store. I bought this at the, you know, iOS, you know, play store, whatever the, or the play store is the windows, but I bought it at the official store. And I still yeah. got malware. How? And the, the original goal of it when, when the stores were small was here is a set of software that we have vetted. But as soon as the stores become the de facto only place, then the amount of submissions that they get completely swamp the number of people that they have available for vetting. And then, you know, if it's Google, they'll try to write some AI that will vet it, which of course will work 75% of the time and the other 25% of the time it's injecting Skynet into your software. Um, or if it's Microsoft, they just throw their hands up and go, eh, we're not vetting anything. And what you end up with is, is the original promise of the store saying, oh yeah, this is all vetted, but nobody's vetting anything and anything can get in. And yeah, uh, you, you now have the illusion that you're getting good software the software is not always good. The software 
is the kind of thing you should be wary of, but now it's trivially easy to install. Right. Well, the installation uh, is definitely easier. The, um, the concept of it being safe is, is questionable at best because much more than the Apple though, it was the, when you're going to like the cell phones, the Android store, there is constantly stories of how many apps are being pulled off because they've discovered malware. I mean, it's a, a scary yeah. number. Yeah. You, you, in fact, there's, there's been some really terrible mechanisms on Android for getting malware onto your machine. Uh, one of the worst ones is a, an app called the play store. You need to get rid of that immediately because it's a vector for malware. But here's the question with all of this technology. I mean, we've seen it from its infancy. I mean, we both mentioned the machines we had as kids, you know, me going back to a TRS 80 color computer with, a cassette deck now we have fast forwarded tandy 1000 yeah yeah baby represent the tandy company baby the at that point it was nearly impossible to get viruses on your machine you weren't connected to an internet all the time Uh, if anything you were just connecting to bulletin boards which can can, can I just hold on a moment i absolutely have to respond to something jc junior just said sure, did he ask yes. if we were live the the no, well, he did. In fact, I, I ignored that one. Darth Radar responded. Thank you, Darth Radar. Um, but no, JC Jr. says, isn't that like saying antivirus is the real virus? And uh, let me tell you that having spent plenty of time uh, debugging some weird fucking bullshit in the Windows operating system that was caused by third party antivirus where somebody came in and said, oh, yeah, we'll protect your shit. And then they go in and they start hooking up kernel calls wrong and they break shit in the kernel. Yes, antivirus, third party antivirus is usually a virus. And that's why, for example, I have been recommending for years that Windows Defender is good enough because it is just about as good as all the third party stuff. And yet the company who makes it are the ones who make the operating system. So at least they have a clue how to plug it in without completely breaking your system. Most of the time Um, I can go into why I don't recommend that anymore, but you were saying, (laughs) so you do now you do recommend third party virus now or antivirus. No, no, I recommend no antivirus at all. None at all. Well, I guess that does make the path to, getting infected that much quicker no, no doubt about uh, it also also don't don't do what sir bemrose recommends um but no i just can't i can't recommend windows defender anymore because of this this decision that they made where they are going to refuse defender updates in windows 7 simply because they don't want people using windows 7 anymore which is some petty level bullshit and i i think something completely different on the matter and but again this comes down to as we've talked about before, who you trust. And this can change on a dime, no doubt about it. I use Bitdefender. I really like their software. The only time I ever had a problem was uh, it can get over anxious, not over anxious, it can get a little bit overbearing. Like the first time I tried to hook up to the No Agenda Stream, noagendastream.com, it took about an hour or so with Void Zero trying to uh, work this out with me. And I couldn't figure out why my machine couldn't connect to the stream. I mean, I could download the stream. I could open it up in an audio player and listen to the stream, but I couldn't connect to broadcast. So I went and turned the antivirus off, turned everything That's, off. We, we had a 
We had a security feature. We had to turn off the no Darren O'Neill. See, turning that oh. off was the biggest problem from the stream, man. Because once I get on, I'm like a virus. It's like, I'm on uh, Carolyn Blaney from Hog Story says I do at least nine podcasts. And maybe I do. I don't know. I can't count that high anymore. We just seem to talk a lot and people listen and we appreciate that. No doubt about it. But well, you, you and I are doing two separately right now. <laughs> right. If you if you separate these tracks out, we're, we're both doing a fantastic podcast. But the Bit Defender, even when I went through and put all of these settings to off, so I went into the software control panel, turned everything off, I still couldn't connect. I went through the next phase, which was, well, I went to go test it on my laptop. I still couldn't connect. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. But of course, it was the Windows laptop. It was. So um, I then went to my old 10-year-old Apple laptop. And that connected right away. So I knew there was a problem in the software. I deleted Bitdefender completely from my Windows desktop machine. And hell, I could connect to the stream. And I figured out, even though I had turned everything off, I had to go in and whitelist noagendastream.com or whatever the URL is that we connect to. And if I didn't whitelist that, Bitdefender was going to block that. But besides that little issue... I've never really run into anything, but you do have to trust them because they see everything on your machine. They can control everything on your machine. And and the problem here is, is not necessarily that their firewall is trying to protect you from the, you know, malicious sites where they practice freedom of speech and freedom of thought and don't strictly control what you, I, I don't know if that's the filter they're using, but the problem is not that the firewall has a, a whitelist it's that uh where does microsoft tell you that this is what's going on well nowhere neither <laughs> bit def- i mean they- neither one of them is very good at that part <laughs> yeah I, I i i'm perfectly fine with somebody trying to protect me but don't protect me and then hide from me what you're doing because inevitably I am going to run across a situation where I need to go outside of your paternalistic protection. I'm going to need to, you know, take off the kid gloves, put on my big boy pants, whatever. And I really need to know what it is that you're doing in my name so that I can go out and, and and adjust it. Now I am what, uh, what is known in the business as a power user. Uh, and and these are the scourge of of anybody building an operating system these days because the you know if if they have their choice the users that they only want are the ones who just sit down shut up trust that the vendor is doing what they want in fact apple assumes that of everybody microsoft at the very least has has kind of acknowledged that they have some power users and linux is like yeah fuck you if you're not a power user you shouldn't be using it uh but i i it's it's really about control. The vast majority of people, and again, we're we're at the the four percent because ninety six percent of people want all of the stuff to be taken care of them for them. They want their computer to be an appliance. I am in the other four percent, which is people who know what the fuck is going on, know what they're doing, know what they want, and don't want my OS vendor to be getting in the way. Um, it, it's like this stupid squadcast software that we've been trying out <laughs> where every single time that I log in it pops up a giant dialog box in front of me that says uh squadcast works better if you're wearing headphones 
and you should no headphones are detected. And it even says in that thing in small text, it says no headphones are detected. This could be a limitation of your browser. We recommend that you put on headphones. But every time I touch a fucking button in this software, it pops up that giant modal dialogue on top of everything that says we haven't detected any headphones. You need to put headphones on. And you know what? For the 90 percent of users who just want everything to work for them, the chances are they're probably not wearing headphones and that's probably useful. Me, I'm wearing fucking headphones, but you know what? My browser's locked down. You guys don't get to scan my goddamn hardware. And so by not being able to scan the hardware, you're popping up this crap in front of me so that every time I hit a button, every time I every time I go to mute my damn microphone, I get a pop up that says wear headphones. I'm wearing headphones, you garbage. But anyways, it's it's actually, you know, software is quite usable. Quote from Progo. Sir Bemrose might be insane. Might be. Might be. Come on, this is the fortieth show. Is this the first one you've listened to, Progo? You've been on one. There's no might be about it. Sir Bemrose is insane. But you must have really loved when Windows came out with that with the user needs. the user access control. You know the thing that popped up every time you tried to do something, and it's like, are you sure? Are you sure? Uh, I was in. I, I, I that was rough. I was actually in a special situation back then uh, because I was working on Windows Vista when that feature was being developed. Um, and there were some really cool affordances about working in the operating system. And that is when something happens that is really, really freaking annoying, I can file a bug <laughs> and I will actually, you know, file a bug like, like expected. I can get stuff done. Actual your dialogue is pissing me off and it's ruining my vibe. <laughs> You're killing my mojo, man. Exactly. Do the higher ups take that as an official complaint or uh, they just bam, bam, Well, I had, I had the occasional talking to about professionalism in bugs that I wrote from my management. I can see that, but I, I feel like that got the gist of what I was trying to say apart. You know, like lots and lots of conversations, many of which I lost. But lots of arguments on the internal mailing lists about uh, things that went into Windows that were annoying as fuck. Um, like, for example, one that I, I lost, but I saved the entire conversation chain because of how amazingly ridiculous it was coming from um, was a, a particular piece of software, which I will not name, uh, except to say that it was Windows Media Player, um, <laughs> which absolutely insisted that the very, very first time that you run the software um, when you say double clicked on an MP3 file or something, and it launched for the first time, uh, you know, the, the very first impression, would you like us to go to the internet to get this information about this file? Well, that was part of it. It was, uh, we need permission to scan your entire hard drive. Uh, we need your permission to go to the internet, to download a bunch of information so that we can modify your files. Uh, it was, we want permission to, uh, send an, uh, you know, data and statistics to Microsoft at the time. They didn't even say it was anonymous data. They were just like, Hey, can we send a shitload of data about your usage back to Microsoft? Um, and yeah, they, they, <laughs> So I, I was filing bugs that was like, um, I installed the operating system 
I double clicked on an MP3 file and I expected my MP3 file to play. And instead what I got was 20 fucking questions. And uh, for, for a while, um, I actually went through and I said, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and try to answer all these questions and just see. And it, at a particular point in windows seven, um, I clocked it. I, I, you know, having done this before, so I even knew what the questions meant, but I took the time to go in and just read the question and then click on it. Uh, there was no extra time for understanding. Just read and read, click, read, click, read, click. It took me seven minutes to get through their first run dialogue. And what was the response? I basically got two canned responses. The first one was, yeah, but people only see that once and then everything runs, you know, just fine. I'm like, yeah, but it's the most important impression you give. Congratulations. Your, your first impression is a shitty one. You're not going to get a second impression for a lot of people. And in fact, uh, you know, later after windows seven instrumentation came in that I pushed for, um, we actually had information that a lot of people would launch windows media player either once or never, and would never run it again. And I think that that first run dialogue was a big part, but here's the other one. Oh, it this one, it was, I can tell you from personal experience, I got to that and I went, um, no, let me just install VLC on this machine. And that was it. Exactly. Because it was faster to install VLC yes. than to go through those bullshit dialogues. It was. But here was the other one. And this one I got both on the media player and on the windows out of box, you know, cause, uh, I, I, I got to admit, I was in a unique position being a tester at Microsoft. I had to install windows three times a day. And that's something that most users only do once ever. That's fine. Because the first two times um, it didn't work right. Well, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> or because I had three different computers and there was a daily build. But anyway, uh, the the other thing that I got both for the media player Ubi and the Windows Ubi, uh, uh, Ubi uh, out of box experience is what they call it. And I, I don't know where the acronym is, but it's kind of creepy. Well, it doesn't take very long if you just click accept all the express settings. That was the excuse. Yeah. Go ahead and let Microsoft decide all of your privacy settings. And then it doesn't take as long. So you can spend 20 minutes clicking through the 200 little checkboxes that you have to turn off to say, no, I don't want Microsoft to have this. No, I don't want Microsoft to annoy me. No, I don't want windows to manage my coffee making in the morning. Or you can just click accept express. Well, that seems easier. And then, that like, get yeah, me an it espresso. Is. It's way faster. Um, no, no, it's more like you know, Microsoft will now manage your entire life. Well, hey, they're welcome to try. I mean, come on, <laughs> <laughs> nobody else is doing it. I mean, come on, that if they're offering, I'm just guessing the job yeah. wouldn't be good. Oh, oh, Darth Radar just tipped on another thing that I hated about the Windows install back in the day was that they wouldn't answer, they wouldn't ask all the questions up front. So you have, you start the installation, you know, and right. I did this, let this be a lesson about any process that takes a long time, limit all of your user interactions to once and then finish the fucking process. Yes, front load do that. not, do not churn for five minutes, 
then stop and wait for the user interaction and then turn for five more minutes, stop and wait for a user interaction. Your users will throw a lot less of your hardware across the room <laughs> if you can front load those questions and then turn for a half hour because then they can do, go do something useful with their time, like getting a cup of coffee, getting lunch while it finishes, uh, you know, working on another project, masturbating in the men's room. I don't care. But anything other than sitting there and being at the beck and call for this stupid software, I I don't understand how after 30 or 40 years of computing, people can still get user interaction this wrong. Well, because they don't care because these are machines that their main functionality is they're able to deal with information and variables. So the fact that they don't front load all the damn questions just says they don't care. That's all well, there and is. It's, it, it's another rant that I'm sure I've had before. And if I haven't, then I'm going to do it. And if I have done it before, I'm still going to do it, which is uh, the worst possible UI that you can ever use. Uh, but one of the most common, because it's so amazingly lazy, is the modal dialogue. Uh, it, if you are from a programmer's perspective, uh, you know, okay, my, my workflow is do this, do this, do this. Now I need a piece of information before I can do the next thing. Okay. Let's just stop the process and ask the user for that information. It's simple. It's easy. It is from a programmer perspective. It's one API call, but from a UX perspective, it is fucking horrible. It is, you are doing whatever you know, you are the computer is not working for me as a user. You, the user is working for the computer because the computer is sitting there going, I will do this thing for you, but only if you stay here and feed me exactly when I say you will and not a moment sooner. Feed me. It's, yeah. Okay. Anyways, I should stop ranting. I understand to a certain extent the concept of the nanny state when it comes to computers. There's a lot of people whose computers would be way more screwed up than they are if they didn't have all of those dialogues. I mean, like you say, yeah, from, from a practical perspective, from a programmer's perspective, the word user has to be synonymous with the word moron. (laughs) Kind of. And uh, you you have to develop your code that way. you have to go with the lowest common denominator, right? Well, no, you have to make the code work for the lowest common denominator. The problem and the place where you get into shitty UI and you get Sir Bemrose to rant at you is when you assume that all users are the lowest common denominator moron and you force them into that interaction, which, by the way, is easy because it means you only have to write one interaction, but also you suck and I hate you. Well, which is why giving users complete control of the machines can be troublesome which i've never gone through and maybe tell me if you if for an average person what do you suggest in this because i always see when you get a new windows machine create another account that's not an administrator and do all your shit there i have never done that it seems like a big pain in the ass do you recommend that for a normal folk to actually do that and not be running as admin all the time um Yes, with the caveat that a normal user should not be installing software all the time. Uh, The problem really is that they ask that question too soon because you get out of Windows setup and they're like, you want to run as a normal user now? And if you say yes, like you're supposed to, then for the 
other half of your installation of your setup experience where you're still installing shit. You are still doing admin tasks right. to make the system work. You are being asked for your stupid password every 30 seconds. And that's not good UI, but if you do it the other way and you're like, yeah, yeah, fine. I'm an admin. Let me go. Then you do that and you get everything set up and you get a, and of course all of these software installers, cause Microsoft, they're not the only people who really fuck up software badly. Um, everybody who has a software installer, what do they do? They're like, Oh, well we'll just install it for the current user. So if you're the admin and you're installing it, suddenly everything is set up for the admin and it's huh, funny. It doesn't freaking work for the user account that I created after the admin. No, because you know, all of the software just assumes that the person who's logged in, the person who's installing is the one who's going to use it because of course it's a vicious cycle. You know, everybody runs as admin as their main driver. And then all the software assumes that you're an admin. So half the software out there is freaking broken. If you ever try to run it as your non-admin user is the one who didn't install it, whatever. It's a beautiful thing. So, which is why. so what should people be doing? <laughs> yeah. I really think that for, for 95% of, of your usage and 99.99% of the time that you spend on the computer, you're not doing administrative tasks and you should not be logged in as an admin. That's basic security layer. Um, but these companies make it so hard to do that. Even on, even on Ubuntu, when I was setting this stupid thing up, it didn't have a way for me to cash my, a pseudo password every single time that I wanted to install software, it popped up with another, you know, please enter your password, please enter your password, please enter your password. Like, fuck you. Let's, can I just go into admin mode so I can set up my stupid computer and then I'll reboot it and run as a non-admin. No, that's not really an option. It's not how they like to do it. They just have to be annoying. Well, yeah. And the command line stuff, which is another reason the difference between windows and Mac and Linux, a lot of Linux users spend a lot of time doing the command line stuff. And I get it. It's a scary place where if you put the wrong command in, you will bork your machine. And there's a lot of people. I mean, I am just dangerous enough on the command line. I mean, let's take, for example, yesterday, Right before the No Agenda show, I did the No Agenda pre-show with the whole Frank Sinatra thing in honor of his 104th birthday. Well, my stream was lost in like the last 15 seconds of when I was connected, just went to silence for some reason. So I realized most likely the stream was getting glitchy, glitchy, which is going to be worked on in January. So don't worry, folks, we're going to get that fixed. Void Zero has promised to be around for a couple of weeks in January, of course. He's getting married now and having a new human resource coming. So we'll see. And we congratulate him on all of that stuff. But I yes, by the way, congratulations, Void Zero on getting married. And I hope that that wasn't a secret because we just outed you. If not, well, yeah, you know, he talked about it, I think. Well, I mean, to us. So I don't think it was a secret, <laughs> but I mean, hey, I, I was looking at if, if anybody knows, like in the Netherlands, do they have a thing where like these folks would register. I mean, here they're always registering at like, you know, Coles or something like that. Or there all these wedding registries. I like to send void. You know, they might talk about it on on the Mark and George show. There is no more uh, Mark and George morning. show, but I'd like to send void a little something to to congratulate him on all the good stuff that's going on there. But yesterday, and then Adam connected, and then like the stream like glitched a little bit again. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go in, and I logged in to the server, 
And I'm like, I'm going to do my command that Sir Bemrose taught me on, on how to reboot the No Agenda stream. And I put the command in, and all of a sudden, all five servers went to nobody on them. And I'm like, holy crap, this is not good. I got that. Well, I got here's, that. here's where you screwed up. Don't, don't do what Sir Bemrose does. <laughs> it's what you told me to do. Yeah, I learned it from you. Uh, so I'm looking and I go to each one because we can see how many people are on each of the five servers at any given time. And they all just zero out. There's elevator music somehow I'm getting when I connect to the stream, but it's showing like nobody's on the actual stream that yeah. would be connected to. I, I'd been meaning to ask um, when, when it did that, was it the, the mo- normal modern elevator music or was it the old style uh, tequila? No, it was music. the Samba. It was the new song. Which one that is? It was the new one. Okay. Dun, 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 dun. It was the new one. It's the elevator music that's, okay. that is the more recent one. Um, so I, I okay. mean, because because the new elevator music means that Liquid Soap is spend is sending the elevator music. Uh, if you get the old style elevator music, what that means is Liquid Soap has crashed completely, and that's Icecast sending it. Interesting. But yeah, I mean, it's I got so when I put the command in. Thanks. Things that listeners to Grumpy Old Bins don't need to know. <laughs> but it's fun because it's the back it's the back house stuff for no agenda. And we try to keep things running and we try to make it a, you know, not for our shows, but I mean, for, if it glitches during one of our shows, no big deal. We want to keep this running smoothly for Adam and John. I think Ned, Ned just stumbled onto what what's going to become the new elevator music loop. Oh, JCD's recorder. That would be awesome. That way, Adam, the minute yeah. he would hear that, he would be on the stream in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. The moment that <laughs> pops up, Adam will not wait. He will jump in. It is. It's like, a, it's like a, a, what do they call it? The Rorschach test or something. The minute you hear that, you just, you, you, reaction, you do that. But when I put the command in, for some reason, I got some kind of error and then I hit something else and I lost the error and I tried the command again. It just wasn't working. So that's why when I told Void Zero, when uh, Adam got in touch with him, Void Zero came in. I'm like, well, here's what I did. And Void's like, well, no, that's what I did. And it just brought the stream back up. I'm like, when I did it, it killed the stream. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why. Well, this is this is, is you begging Adam to text Void Zero all the way in the Netherlands because uh, y- you had tried to call me yeah, and I heard my phone go off, but I couldn't be fucked to get out of bed. <laughs> I tried texting. <laughs> like, no, it's warm and comfortable. And I'm calling. <laughs> And I'm like, where's Bemrose? I know he's sick. And I kind of felt bad about, you know, waking you up. But I'm like, stream down, stream gone. Can't do anything. And, you know, Void came to the rescue. So thank you, Void Zero. And I'm learning this whole back system. Because, again, we, we just need to learn Ansible because I don't even know what that is. So- I've just been given some commands and basically understand how the stuff works. But if then if the commands that I was given uh, given doesn't work, then yeah, I, I my choices of what to do next are call and cry for uh, for Sir Bemrose or for Void Zero, and uh, well, at, at at the risk of losing some of my Ben credentials, that's that's also my fallback if something's not working. Call is, Void Zero. is cry and ask for Void Zero. Yeah, <laughs> I need his phone number. I don't have that. I, I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to directly annoy Void outside of IRC or No Agenda Social or the uh, the beauty of Twitter. Although we got to get some people so, hooked up. If anybody has contact information for uh, Paul from the art generator, I need to get his email because people are not able to get a new account and there's no way to contact him. And it seems like people have been having problems getting accounts for 
weeks, if not longer. And that's not good. I mean, I like winning all the art ones that I have, but I like people to be able to compete. That's a little bit more fun. And I know there were the same problem. Uh, somebody was trying to get a new account on no agenda social as well. You, you know and the that, emails weren't reaching you know them. that Adam and John would be on top of this instantly. If the problem was people weren't able to, can, to uh, submit art. Well, yes, you would think because they like the artwork and it's, it's helpful for everybody. And I can understand why the number of artists kind of scale back. We, sh- we haven't seen a whole lot of new people come in. And this is probably the reason why that there's something wrong with the art generator. And Paul asked for help a few months ago. Yeah. I offered help a bunch of other people offered help when they realized it wasn't Drupal. It was running on some other content management system. Speaking of all these operating systems as we are today. And then Paul's like, well, no, we don't need help, but they haven't even updated the winning art in like a hundred and something shows. So I don't know what's going on there. That's a a manual process. It needs to, it needs to be more automatic. Like if they could scrape, uh, you know, uh, NA show notes.com or something like that, then, then they could get it to auto update or if Adam, having to do anything manually is, is not going to work. Well, if Adam just had a button, I mean, cause all he, the login would stay logged. He, he in. does. He publishes the show notes. Right, but I mean, if he could just press a button, I'm surprised that's not the way the art generator works that when Adam and John decide which piece of art, Adam should have a button that nobody else does underneath every piece of art that says, this is the one we're selecting. And that would be. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying he has one of those. He publishes the show notes. The information is in there. It's structured data. That's the right way to do it. Don't don't add more shit for Adam to do. <laughs> okay, so the machine should be doing that. I agree. So Paul, get on that. So you, uh, or or just you know let somebody else write uh, a plugin for it. Yes. Um. And 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 then and then you know fix the login so that we can automatically log in and and upload patches to the software because that's safe (laughs) well if you trust the people that are working i mean that is why the troll room that is why overall the stream i think works so well is that there are you and void now you've got me as kind of the little uh padawan in training but there are three of us that you know for the basic stuff going down i know how to restart these ice cast know how to restart the stream it just didn't work for some reason but yeah. at least there are multiple people that can handle the problem with the you art generator. Know how to kick people out of the room when they start asking the hard questions. Right. You gotta, we gotta censor those people. Uh, but in the case of yeah. no agenda social and the art generator, that's each just one person and they're neither one of them is easy to contact. So if people have problems, you know, we're trying to get that no agenda social thing running. As Adam said, there seems to be some traction but if people are having legitimate problems in getting the confirmation email, that's a big deal because that's a that's the the bar to getting into no agenda social. If you can't get that confirmation email, you're never going to get on there. So we need to make sure that's all working. But, you know, that's all part of all these things with the operating systems, how things work. And I get that little, you know, that little flutter when you go into the no agenda servers. When I log in, you know, the first thing when void gave me the you know, set up the account for me. So I'm like, okay, so I want to type format C, you know, the old joke with the, you know, your windows machine, when people didn't know what they were doing, you're like, okay, go into a command line and do this. And he's just like, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> it wouldn't work, but yeah, no, it, but it's, it's the knowing that there is a command out there that I could put in there that would just take everything down. And it's like, I don't want to be that asshole. And that's kind of what I felt like yesterday when I'm like, okay, I'm going in no agenda reboot. And then it's just like, everything goes down. It's like, Oh, void, help me void. Uh, It wasn't a good feeling. No doubt about it. But that's the beauty 
of the command line. And most users are not even to the point to where they should ever be on a command line at all, which is why we have these graphical user interfaces, even with Linux. The only reason Linux is increasing the market share is because they're becoming more and more like Windows and the Mac. They're getting more and more you point and click with that mouse. Believe it or not, people are using mice. I I know that was uh, something we didn't think was going to take off way back in the day, JCD. But people are using the mouse and they want to click on things on the screen. They want to make it nice and easy. Nobody wants to know how the back end actually works. And I guess that is a big part of the issue is people don't want to know how nobody the- wants to know anything about how my back end works <laughs> or Fletcher's back. Hope, hope Fletcher's feeling better of hog story. Uh, it's hell having back issues when you try to sleep and uh, it just so you. Yeah. You, you did, you expressed distaste actually much, much like, uh, almost everybody does when, uh, when I mentioned that I was running windows 8.1, I've got a pretty good idea as to the reason why, but can you, can you explain to me, uh, the main reason why you don't think people like windows eight or at least why you don't, I never have run windows eight. So this is, I guess uh, I'm a little biased in that case. Okay. I, when I was running okay, windows that's seven, that's what I was running before windows 10 was windows seven i remember just somewhat in the periphery at this point that when windows 8 came out there was a big cry of the the usual suspects in the tech world like stick with windows 7 windows 8 sucks so i did yeah and i stuck with windows 7 long enough to then windows 10 came out and there you go yeah. Why do you prefer and, eight point? And, I don't know anything about eight point one. Well, That's my okay. only negative. I, thing. I was just wondering if I was just wondering if if you knew the main reasons why eight, eight Windows eight in general is is so badly panned. I don't recall. I remember it being panned, okay. but I don't recall why. So the the main the the number one straw man that I'm going to go ahead and attack here, and this is this is one of the big arguments against eight. Uh, it you know having worked on it, um, the underneath all of the underpinnings are uh, a straight evolution of windows seven. It, it was, uh, it was windows seven plus three more years worth of, uh, of development. And so there was a lot of things that were better. that were faster, that were more efficient, that you, um, the main thing that people hated, hated about windows eight was the start screen. Uh, because Windows 8, they got rid of the start menu oh, yeah. and made it so that when you hit the start button, um, it replaced your entire desktop with a grid of icons because Windows 8 was going to be the big operating system where Microsoft combined their uh, all mobile and desktop were all going to be combined into one operating system, which was a terrible freaking idea, but don't try to convince the windows eight execs of that. <laughs> right now. I remember that is the reason I, I never used it. So I have blocked that out, I guess. So I, you, you had brought up uh, and and the reason that I'm mentioning this is because of a comment you made about the command line being scary. And I've had people ask me, well, how can you possibly stand to be on windows eight? And the reason is why that I never look at the start screen. I never bring up that screen in, in other versions of windows. I don't use the start menu. It's just not really a thing. I use the taskbar. I use, well, no, I use the taskbar a lot. 
Um, that's, that's all of my window switching is done there. Uh, window launching for the most common stuff tends to be done there. That, that's, I mean, that's a pretty good choice. Um, but for the vast majority of things that I launch, um, you know, the, the number one thing on my task man, task bar right now is I currently have five PowerShell windows open. <laughs> And, and that is where I run. That is where I exist from. Um, you know, PowerShell is, is of course the, the grownup.net enabled version of the windows command prompt. Um, but it's a command line and, uh, it's extremely powerful and I'm, I'm quite happy with it. And I'm really freaking weird for that. I think. (laughs) Well, see, but you're, you're, you're comfortable doing that where most people aren't, they want to be able to point and click and just go pick something out of a menu. I mean, I, I, I see no evidence that, that this mouse is something people would want to <laughs> you use. You and Dvorak, you might be his long lost uh, kid. I can, I can guarantee you, you both got the same thoughts on that one, but our, our Chicago buddy, Digi guru is in the troll room and, and he brings up a, a valid point, which we haven't even talked about yet today, which is the fact that Microsoft seems to be pushing further and further. And I haven't had to do this yet, although I haven't reinstalled windows 10 in a while about forcing you to have a Microsoft account tied to the machine in order to get the operating system up and running. And that to me could become a deal breaker pretty quickly because I don't like that shit. Yeah. I think win seven was the first place that it was even possible. And win eight was the first place where they started really pushing it out of the box and windows 10, they have all but removed the option to not create a microsoft account for it so yeah uh and i we we can give microsoft all kinds of shit for trying to force creating an account on people and and we should because they 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 deserve it that's not cool uh but they're just doing what every other company anywhere is doing now um you know you can't use anything from Facebook without creating an account and logging in. Uh, it's really hard to use anything from Google without creating an account and logging in. Uh, you, you can't use Android or iOS or just about any phone operating system without creating an account and logging in. Um, you know, I, I think Linux is the only place where local accounts are still an option that is not derided or, or you don't have to search for it. And that's mainly because they're one of the few companies or places that you can go to get an operating system that is not driven by collecting user data. Well, and it's a big privacy thing. JC Jr. in the troll room, noagendastream.com just says, Darren, oh, that's not true. What's not true? Tell me. It's a little bit more helpful if you tell me what's not true. But whatever you said, you said something. It probably wasn't. I can believe that. There's probably a lot of stuff I said. It's just total crap. But why should people be afraid of what's the main reason people should be afraid of these windows accounts? It wasn't until I was creating a podcast that was streamed live that I started to become really, uh, that I started to realize just how much I don't know about this sort of thing. Well, that's a good having a, a live having a live room to fact check you is a fantastic way to acquire humility. And I'm sure that it someday someday I may actually do it. <laughs> I doubt it. JC Jr. That is a good tip. If that is true, that it won't force you to make an account if you're not hooked up to the Internet during the setup. So I guess that is the main thing to do then is make sure you unhook everything. Yeah. Don't hook into yeah. the uh, don't connect to Wi-Fi. Don't connect to a network. Do the Windows 10. Setup yeah, you know, you know how I avoid. 
You know how I avoid being forced to make an account setting up Windows 7 or Windows 10? I don't set up Windows 10. Works like a charm every time. But thanks for the tip, JC Jr. It's much more helpful than <laughs> Sir Bemrose's tips, but that's not uh, that's not a rarity. Just don't do that. But I only offer the tip. My question becomes, if you have, and this is just me, the guy that doesn't pirate anything or do anything bad online at all. If you have to be forced into having a Windows account, so your machine is tying you to something that is very personally identifiable. I mean, I know there's a lot of stuff on your machine that is, but I would think that it's only a small step for that to be pinged. If you have to be signed into a Windows account when you log into Windows 10, we already know that the browser is one of the biggest places you're getting fingerprinted online where your data is being more data than you could possibly imagine is being shared. The one site that you brought up, you can go in and do that test where it showed, you know, all the fonts that are installed on your machine and yeah. all the uh, panopticlick. Panopticlick, yes. And that was just, yes. if you go back and listen to that episode again, that must have been the privacy one, I'm guessing. But that was scary as hell when just seeing that your browser could be given a very unique identifier based on facts like fonts installed, like the different uh, plugins installed. Now, if there's another thing that could be added, which is, oh, your Windows account ID, well, that's uh, game set and match right there, right? Or no? Yes? No? I think Ryan's playing in the troll room and ignoring the show, but that's what he does most of the time anyway. No, I, I just, I, I lost, I forgot how to unmute my shit. <laughs> I, would, I, I, I would try. I actually was responding. Unmute. I, I, w- I was giving a really snappy response. It was very witty. Yeah. The time has passed, unfortunately. You're supposed to unmute the microphone, not your shit. Yes. Well, that, there's a problem. Thanks. Where were you when I needed you? You were muted. So I, I couldn't tell you were having the problem. But that is, I would think that that's a very small bit of data. And that would that's the biggest worry I have for tying an operating system, you know, to an email account or something personally identifiable, especially there that, you know, if it's tied to a Play Store where they have your credit card and all this from a privacy aspect, that is that's just very scary. And of course, I mean, people would then come up with ways to. Uh, to block that and all of that. But that's just another level that I don't want to have to worry about. And I don't know why Microsoft needs to have an account associated with an operating system to actually make my experience any better. I mean, nobody could give me well, a reason. For for a long time, it was because you needed to be, they needed to be able to bill you when you did one click installs from the app store. I mean, obviously that's easy. Oh. When it comes to the operating system, I mean, how do you feel about that? Because Windows, obviously, I mean, it seems like there are still ways and somebody blitzed or JC Jr. in the troll room earlier. There was an article on ZDNet or maybe it was Progo that you can still do the upgrade from the previous versions of Windows for free if you want to get up to Windows 10. So check ZDNet for that. But the fact that Windows is still charging for their operating systems and Apple and Linux when, when aren't. When they put ads in Explorer.exe. Yeah, well, that <laughs> that's another reason why. Uh, you need all that third-party software to block ads. That's, that's another reason why I don't need Windows 10. I don't need an operating system that I paid for to be advertising to me. Well, it's because all of these formats are dying. I mean, I, it was hard to believe as a guy that got Auto Week back in the day. I mean, an automotive magazine, by its name, you can probably tell if you're not familiar, was a weekly magazine. It was a staple. They stopped printing. 
you know, their motor trend. They're still printing motor trend, but they just dropped like 12, I think it was, of their imprints. So there's no surprise that print uh, magazines are dying, print newspapers are dying, everything is going online, and all of these places need to find ways to make money. And unfortunately, they're still doing it advertiser based. And the operating systems are getting into this because they can. I mean, we talked about in one of the other episodes too how nobody knew when Firefox first started. It was heralded as this great open source browser, this great alternative, but nobody knew they were making millions of dollars just through Google search referrals, through Amazon store referrals and all of that. So even the people that were heralded at one point as being these, you know, great open source project, a lot of times eventually turn into nothing more than a capitalistic grab for money. Well, I hail capitalism. <laughs> I mean, yes. I agree with that, uh, but uh, I, I mean, uh, what what I'm really wondering is where's mine? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good question. Have you written an app that people would want to play for hours on end? A little game, maybe. <laughs> Come on, where's the Bemrose app? I, I the Bemrose app is is this podcast, and you can listen for hours on end. And I promise you that we're not doing any brainwashing; just you know, brain rinsing. Wait, but washing is much more effective than just rinsing. I mean, if you've got some stains, you want to wash. You don't want to just rinse because that just kind of sets the stain in more. Yeah, but I don't want to hear from the people who have stained brains. <laughs> and and then, you know, because they'll, they, you know that they'll write us and then they'll complain. And, and frankly, you know, if somebody's going to be complaining about this show, it needs to be me. People are in the troll room are suggesting dirty, the Greta Oss. I mean, I think the Greta operating system would have to immediately turn the machine off to save the planet for because you're using How energy. Dare you? Right. How dare you? You turn How a machine dare on you. <laughs> How dare you use our consumable resources to look at porn? How dare you? I don't know. So Greta. are you familiar with something called the contributors covenant? I am not. So, uh, as I was uh, digging around in uh, in the operating systems, I was looking for. Uh, I, I was trying to do research to figure out, you know, what are pros and cons, what do people like and dislike, because uh, I'm I'm not really hooked into what people like and dislike. I I'm not people, and I I don't want to normally hang out with them, but it's sometimes important for me to know what they're complaining about. But one of the things that came up was a controversy in Linux. Uh, you know, there's there's always a bunch of weird bike shed controversies in Linux. One of them, for example, the uh, System D controversy, where uh, apparently uh, the there's a, a really deep esoteric implementation detail about how Linux gets booted that has completely split the cult community, and half of them are all for speed, and half of them are all for control. Or I, I don't I don't remember exactly, but I. I've never quite figured out the system D controversy, but I do know that it is really, really, really important to the people for whom that particular bike shed color is important. But the other one that came up that I actually wanted to rant a bit about was uh, the code of conduct that was checked into the Linux kernel. And, and this particular one, the controversy came because at the, very same time, like 12 hours after the Linux kernel approved and checked in a code of conduct into their system, uh, Linus Torvald 
said uh, he sent out a message saying, uh, I know that I've been insensitive to some uh, disadvantaged groups and and I need to promote diversity better. And so I'm taking some time off of the project in order to uh, collect my thoughts and and try to become a better person. And and I'll be back when I can, you know, correctly champion social justice. I don't think that last part is, was in his note, but that's basically what he was saying. And the code of conduct that I've seen, and this is something that I've seen in a lot of open source projects, is to me uh, a bald-faced ploy to bring social justice into open source projects that up until then were a meritocracy. And I'm wondering if, if you have any thoughts on this before I really start ranting. No, no, I, I want to get, get to this rant. Although I will just ask okay. the question when it comes to the code of conduct, if you've been watching the current season of Silicon Valley. I have not. It's, it's, it's good. Is that, it's good. And it's on HBO. Where, I, don't, I don't even know. I don't even know where I would find that. Well, it's on HBO. Is so, that, of course, go back to my piracy episode. So, so BitTorrent. Right. Go back to that. Uh, <laughs> but there was, a, a, it basically was the guy that runs the Pied Piper company that is uh, the a fictional company that's at the heart of this whole show is in front of Congress, you know, very much so uh, like the, uh, you know, the things they just had where they brought in, you know, Zuckerberg and all these guys and had him in front of Congress. He goes up in front of Congress and he gets up and he starts ranting and how they're going to, you know, building a thing where they don't collect user data and all of this and they never would. And it's about freedom and it's about decentralization. And he gets back to the, the shop and one of the guys that's, uh, you know, part of the company that's this, uh, running some game out of there. And he comes up to him. He's like, hey, that's a really great thing you said about not collecting user data. He's like, you weren't under oath, right? And he's like, well, no. Why? He's like, well, because we totally are. <laughs> and it was like, like this just kind yeah. of symbolized the whole thing that the guy that's running the company is like, oh, no, we would never do that. And the guy that works for him is like, no, no, we totally are. I mean, good thing you weren't under oath, dude. That was awesome. Yeah, that kind of symbolizes the whole concept. It's a great show for the dude's name, Ben type. You definitely want to check that out. However you get it is up to you and your morals. But you had a rant. So the code of conduct that uh, the, the most common one that I've seen sneaking into open source projects is it's called the Contributors Covenant. And it's um, it, on its face. It looks innocuous and it also looks like, so. you know, it, it's a I mean, it's a social justice warriors wet dream um, because it. What it says is uh, we pledge that we will not discriminate based on, uh, you know, race, gender, sexual preference, uh, it, you know, et cetera. And, and, you know, the funny thing is the longest paragraph in the entire thing is the list of things that they refuse to discriminate based on. <laughs> Wait, how does your machine which, know if you're uh, transgender or if you're black or well, if you're white? Here's the thing. All of these open source projects are basically managed online through text, IRC, Usenet, whatever. Um, nobody, unless somebody self-identifies as a particular race or gender, nobody knows. So um, the, the very, very first argument against one of these is it's not necessary. If, if I don't tell people, if I don't use an obviously male name and I don't tell people what my gender is or what my race is, uh, then how do people know? No, nobody, nobody really knows. So it's not important 
important. That you know, for, I, I, I'm sorry. It's not important. Not important. I'm and I, I'm I'm coughing up phlegm here. Do you want some in the microphone, <laughs> sure. please? I, if you're if you're getting dropouts in my microphone, it's because I'm muting while I hawk up a fucking lung. Okay, you got to drop the tea, yeah. baby. You're not doing. If you're talking social justice warrior um, and you're not dropping the tea, I'll drop you're you. You're not doing it right. No, no, I I know how to pronounce words, and I'm going to continue doing it. Thank you very there much. There's no tea in Sir Bemrose. Not yet. <laughs> right now, it's all coffee. <laughs> Feed, baby. Yes. So the code of conduct that that i see creep in is it has a couple clauses the first one says uh we are not going to discriminate based on you know this huge long list and the funny thing is that you know the, these are programmers and we think very literally and by virtue of things not being on the list whether intentionally not on the list or accidentally left out anything that's left out whether or not you know if if you're if your code of conduct is don't be a dick, then it's kind of a catch all for don't be a dick. But if your code of conduct says these are the seven things that you can't discriminate based on, then you're automatically saying, however, you're totally fine discriminating based on things that aren't on this list. And very notably not on the list of the contributors code of conduct. Um, I don't believe age is on it being white because you, uh, well, skin color is listed on there, but I'm sure they can come up with some social justice reason why it's okay to discriminate guy against whites. Yeah. Uh, but the one other thing that is notably absent and actually has been proposed and rejected by the social justice people in charge of this is political affiliation. Interesting. Um, it, it is perfectly reasonable in these projects to discriminate against Republicans because, you know, we want to be able to do that. And uh, so there's the first problem is the moment that you start enumerating something, then uh, especially when you're involving programmers, the moment you enumerate things, then anything that you leave off, whether intentionally or accidentally, uh, becomes fair game to discriminate against. And that's not kind of what we really want. We want people to not be not be discriminating. We not we want people to not be dicks. That's that's really the code of conduct that people should be following is don't be an asshole. Um, or if you do make sure it's funny, <laughs> well, this is but the problem. It's rarely funny. The, the, the other half of this code of conduct that has been sneaking in is, uh, <laughs> a set of responsibilities. I'm sorry. Uh-oh. I'm just reading the troll room and programs. Like I just came back from getting food. We're on social justice, warrior religion. Now what's the topic of the show? Darth radar, Darth radar answers with typical show. It's become <laughs> ranting. <laughs> I'm sorry. Should I just be done here? I don't need to continue. I think everybody likes the rant. Well, this is, I mean, (laughs) this is a beautiful thing when it comes to uh, all of these big tech companies that are in the, in the, in the uh, social space, Facebook, Twitter, and all this are like, we're not taking any ads for politics for the 2020 election. Like this is a good thing. The problem is they're silencing anybody on the platform that's a conservative and not doing the same to liberal. So it doesn't fucking matter that you aren't taking. I mean, the fact that you're not taking any kind of ads is irrelevant because you're well, allowing no, you, the you content. Can't claim that you can't claim that because they silenced that one liberal and that pretty much <laughs> invalidates the entire argument, yeah, right? Sure. It does. That's the code of conduct I, when I, it comes to your operating yeah. system. I mean, I'd like to see do most of these plays down for most of these like Linux distros. Do they have like a code of conduct and all their, I mean, is this all, 
social justice warrior thing into that well, yet? A, a lot of them do anymore. And if if you go to GitHub now, uh, if, if you go to an open source source code on GitHub and you look or, or, or any source repository, a lot of them will now have a contributing file in the bottom or one called code of conduct. And if you look, it will, it will often be this boilerplate from this SJW group, the, the contributors covenant. Uh, the, the second half of the contributors covenant has uh, a bunch of responsibilities. You know, it says, you know, the, the first half is, is anybody contributing to this project should not discriminate, which sounds pretty good. And then the second half is, uh, and if somebody discriminates, then the, maintainers of the project have a responsibility to deplatform and shut them down. And, and it basically, uh, and this is probably the, the number one thing that I hate about these things. It forces a zero tolerance because if you are the, the person in charge of it and two people start spitting at each other, um, if, if this thing is checked into your project, you no longer have the option to take them both aside and be like, Hey, cool the fuck down and stop it because that's not cool, which is how most problems get resolved immediately. But if you do that now and somebody complains, there is this document checked in that says you are required to kick at least one of these out of the project, censure them, delete all of their contributions, uh, you know, just murder their firstborn children, whatever. Um, it doesn't say which party. It just says whoever is discriminating, which is usually means whichever person is on the right. And if you are the maintainer of the project and you don't do that, there is a clause in there that says you will actually have to step down as maintainer and give the project to somebody else who will enforce this. So it is not only bringing in the SJW list of things that you shouldn't discriminate against, but it is also introducing zero tolerance into a system that has been just handshake before. And why is this bad? Well, first of all, you don't need it. In general, we've always had, we've always been able to resolve our problems through, you know, if nothing else, we do like an IRC Thunderdome where <laughs> uh, two chatters enter and one chatter leaves. I don't know. But it is unnecessary to list all of the, here's all the reasons that you shouldn't discriminate based on race in an open source project in a situation where most people don't even know each other's race unless you tell them, but that, that doesn't work for an SJW because they really, you know, a, a social justice advocate doesn't want people to be colorblind. They want to be able to wear their race and gender preference on their sleeve and have everybody tiptoe around them because that's what makes them feel powerful. I guess. And the other thing about these codes of conduct is that effectively you are erasing a meritocracy and replacing it with a, a social justice intersectionality. And that is bad and wrong for every project. So you know what? This rant is, has gone as far as it needs to. It's gone off the Let's rails. Let's just say social justice bad. Well, yeah, because there are, I think it's, uh, I don't use it at all. So anybody can correct me if you'd want to, but Instagram, I believe now when you leave comments, if the social learning machine, if the AI thinks your tone is, you know, ignorant, or if it's going to be bitchy, or if it's going to be somehow insulting, it will warn you like, Ooh, are you sure you want to post this comment? And, and I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and I want to know. Well, again, this is, 
going back to one of the things that I think makes Silicon Valley as a show hilarious are, you know, just some of the little back and forth between the coders, especially in things like IM, which are a part of your operating system in that, where, you know, the one guy will type something to the other guy and the answer will just come back, you know, eat a dick. You know, this, <laughs> these are the kind of things that, you know, my buddies and I, that would be stuff going back and forth. That would be you and I going back and forth. How long until yeah, that's this, that that's discriminatory against homosexuals right. and how long until this is baked into your operating system to where, you know, you type that in and your machines like, no, we are restricting your access now to. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with this kind of filtering being on Instagram, because if you're on Instagram, you're already you've already fucked up badly somewhere because you logged in Instagram. I agree. But how, how long until this is starting to be baked into the operating systems? I mean, I doubt it'll be baked well, it into is. Linux unless you're unless you're choosing the social justice uh, warrior. You know, flavor. If, if Linux, if, if the Linux kernel is bringing in SJW manifestos, uh, by the way, the, uh, the creator of the, cr- the creator's covenant, the uh, Coraline something or other, the big SJW bitch um she also created another another document that was uh, a manifesto uh let's see the post meritocracy manifesto is what it's called which literally says that she wants to eliminate merit from open source and people should not be judged on their contributions they should be judged on their skin color just letting you know that's that's the motivation so if linux is going to be bringing this into the kernel then I don't know. I, I think that there's there's a good chance that that might be where it ends up too, which is scary. I will tell you that it will not be a part of any operating system that I run for as long as I have the ability to control what software is on my machine and the ability to hack into the the software in order to make it bend to my will. Well, you can do that with most operating systems because you have the skill to do so. And I do. Most people don't. So they're left with a lot fewer choices. They're left with, uh, you know, just a very almost binary choice unless they're going to go to Linux, which just could well, be the year of can, Linux. They, they can run. They can run Windows. They can run Mac or they can run the Bemrose distro. I want. Where is that available at? On my computer. <laughs> so do we have to break into your house or is this yeah, available? Y- yeah. In order to show that you're worthy <laughs> of it, you have to hack into my system. <laughs> You have to hack the system and then there will be a file there. It'll be like one of those old adventure Actually, no, games. I'm talking to a bunch of dudes named Ben. That is not a challenge. It sounded like one. It sounded like if you can hack Sir Bemrose, there is a grumpy old Ben's prize pack for you. But I mean, just put a bag of dicks on his desktop or something like that. It's okay. Don't do anything nefarious. Oh, actually, that, that's tasty. <laughs> Don't do anything nefarious. We have, we have, we have a, a drive-in around here uh, in the Seattle area called Dick's Drive-In. And uh, uh, there's, there's little that's tastier than eating a bag of Dick's, I'll tell you that much. ISO, no doubt about it. I mean, if that's not, okay, looking down, that's an hour and 51 minutes into the recording. If that's not going to be the cold opener, I don't know what will be. That might be the cold opener from now until uh, next year. Just, from now yes, on? That could just be. And then you can't say that it was deep faked or anything like that. It's just pure unadulterated oh, yes, Sir Memoros. Well, you could lie. Watch me. <laughs> I can't. We don't have the camera feed yet. We're working on that, though. We are working on the camera feed. Yes, well, you, you can have access to the camera feed as soon as you can hack in and turn on my camera. Okay, but you don't have a camera. 
Yeah, well, that that's a complication. Okay, here's the question, though. Does Dame Bemroses have a camera? Because I know she's got one of those talking tube devices. She does. It's in a different room. <laughs> so, okay, we could hack into that. We might be able to see a cat. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Maybe that'll be the challenge for 2020. If you can hack Sir Bemrose, um, big, big, big prize pack. He'll come to your house and deliver it personally. It'll be great. So is there anything else we need? Any other rants for today? Or are we calling this episode just about finished? Oh, we have no shortage of rants, but uh, I'm running out of energy. You barely have headphones. I know. I came, I came, I came into this with sinus pressure and a headache, which um, I got to tell you, it makes me grumpy. Yeah. Well, at least we hope you're feeling a little bit better. At least you, you soldiered through the show and everybody appreciates that. And the hockey, the uh, coughing fits and all that haven't started yet. So we hope you're feeling better. A true professional doing the show a little bit under the weather. And you know what? I think it actually maybe added a little bit of energy to the rant. So I don't know. We might have to start infecting you before the shows for the highest quality Grumpy Old Ben's experience. And if you like what you're hearing here in Grumpy Old Ben's, do us a big favor. Go to GrumpyOldBen's.com and click one of those subscribe buttons. And you can do it on Apple, Android. You can do it on, well, email. Hell, you can do it anywhere you want. We even have an RSS feed for you dudes named Ben if you just want to grab that. Feel free to grab that and do whatever you want with that particular information. If you want to donate, same address, click that little donation button. And we do have a Patreon, but we're not, it's not set up yet. So it's not the best way to go. Although our buddy Steve E is over there and he sent us a little email that he liked, you know, getting the shout out. We appreciate the donation and we appreciate you finding that. And we appreciate Keith Von Dyke for his executive producer status for this show i don't know if he's i don't think he's related to mark but i mean i know all those those dutch names maybe they're all kind of well it's 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 a pretty common name in the netherlands it's kind of like jones so i'm I'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say there's a million people with that name but there might be a hundred thousand but keith von dyke we appreciate the donation to our little podcast it helps keep the lights on the microphones humming and all of these crazy services that we're trying to record the shows on to get the best possible audio quality for you. I mean, people are digging the show. I mean, it's, I know you're always surprised when somebody comes in and mentions they're listening or somebody comes into the troll room the other day and was asking, you said for a no agenda social invite. And then was like, this is one of the grumpy old Ben's and they were excited about it. I mean, really what you should have told them was I'm just, you know, I'm the second better and um, you know the lower half of grumpy old bends they really want to they went oh. uh, so I, I said yeah i'm 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 actually the one who makes the entire show work darren just shows up and then edits the audio for me and tries to make me sound like an idiot and i don't even really but do that he doesn't anymore well you don't you, you don't even have much of a chance of that because i You've mean you've gotten good at it yeah, there's yeah there's not much you can do past what i do you have gotten to perfection in that particular case and we do congratulate you on that and there was somebody on Reddit. If anybody knows who this Redditor is, or if they just want to reach out to us, I don't necessarily agree or disagree with their statements. I don't want to disagree with any of our listeners. Uh, but the simple statement was, uh, was what? That after No Agenda, Crumpy Old Benz is the only show that isn't shit on the No Agenda stream. And uh, we yes. don't agree with that. There's a lot of shows on the stream that I'm, we I'm like. Not, 
I'm not exactly sure how to take that. On the one hand, I'm flattered it's, that you like grumpy old Ben's. On the other hand, uh, I was involved in picking out almost all of those other shows. True. So apparently you don't like my taste in podcasts. On, on one, I get on it. one hand, big compliment to Sir Ryan Bemrose. On another hand, total <laughs> slam on Sir Ryan Bemrose. So I guess that's kind of a wash for you. But we appreciate you giving this little show a chance. And where we try to basically talk about things from a tech guy's point of view. A lot of times it's tech stuff. A lot of times it's political stuff, but this is only episode 40. So where we're going to take it from here is anybody's guess. If you have any suggestions, feel free to reach out to us via email. Darren at grumpy Ryan at grumpy Or you can also find us on no agenda social. If you need an invite, go over to the show page grumpy old bands will put a link over there which i don't think we have yet we'll add one of those to get you on no agenda social so with that said thanks to everybody in the troll room for coming along for another live version friday mornings at 11 a.m central time we do these things noagendastream.com you can come into the chat room listen live have a lot of fun we appreciate the people that do that and those listening other times We hope you're still having fun and trolling along, at least in spirit. So until next time, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I don't need any Benadryl, but I bet Sir Bemrose does. And from America's left coast, where grumpy old Ben's will always remain a meritocracy. I'm Ryan Bemrose.